I am Miranda Genowitz, and this is Whereabouts. When Binash and I recorded this conversation in mid-September, the daily protests in Hong Kong were mounting. What had started out as nonviolent protests against a controversial extradition agreement with China was now a looming confrontation about civil liberties and democracy and anger over the government's response to those issues. I thought hard about whether to release this podcast episode this week as we'd planned. Maybe a discussion about trade wars and protests and real estate was disrespectful in the current climate. But ultimately, Binash represents daily life in Hong Kong. She's a mother to three children, takes pride in her work and her city and her culture. And she is the Hong Konger who will persist long after the world's attention has turned elsewhere. Binash Chan is the Chief Operating Officer of List Sotheby's International Realty in Hong Kong. Binash and I talk trade wars, protests, and resilience in the most expensive real estate market in the world. Hi, Binash. Thank you for joining me today on Whereabouts. Hello, Miranda. Uh, thank you for having me. So let's talk about uh, Hong Kong. Hong Kong is such an interesting curiosity from an American perspective. It has politically a very unique status in China, in the world, really. It is home to the highest real estate prices in the world. Uh, it is a center of uh, financial and trade, um, professional services. It really is a, a small location with a big world impact. I would say Hong Kong is really an amazing city, which is so tiny, tiny. But as you said, it's like a melting pot and with a very unique position uh, in, the, in the history of the last century. Hong Kong is uh, so lucky to, be, uh, uh, to enjoy the legacy of the British uh, government. So we have the uh, legal system, uh, the democracy that we are uh, cherishing. And because of all these, which make Hong Kong a unique place and attract so many populations from mainland China and also all over the world. And as a real estate market with the positive growth of population, be it permanent and also the uh, 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 expats coming to Hong Kong to work, which make Hong Kong's uh, real estate market really amazing, full of uh, end users and also investors. Putting recent events aside for just a moment, can you give me a sense of the trajectory of the Hong Kong market in the last decade or so? In the past decades, we witnessed a great rocket of the price. So it leads to the Hong Kong government has to introduce be it stamp duties, a more tightened policy in terms of mortgage, and uh, uh, especially some cooling measures uh, specifically for the foreign buyers, stopping the uh, foreigners coming in and jeopardizing end users' needs for real estate, for homes, for residential units. You're talking about not driving prices up, essentially, stopping international investment from skyrocketing prices even more than they are already. Right, but the government has been quite careful because um, it's a dilemma. The Hong Kong people on one side wish the government to protect the prices, not to rocket too much. However, 
because the ownership of property is quite major for the local people. If the price drops too much, it will also hurt their wealth. You, one side, you wish the market to go up so you can uh, protect your investment, but the other side, you wish it maybe the market can correct a little bit so I can have a chance to buy. <laughs> so it's kind of a two-way. I think it's the dilemma uh, buyers face everywhere, really. If we just step back for a moment to the history of Hong Kong, you know, 1997 uh, was when the British handover to China occurred. Was that a vibrant moment in the Hong Kong real estate market? What was going on at that time? Uh, it was. Uh Starting from a few years back, uh, from 1997, the Hong Kong real estate market has been building up the momentum and has rocketed a lot. And then after the handover, uh, like by the end of 1997, the beginning of 1998, uh, it, the prices start to collapse. And then the whole real estate market like have triggered panic sale, drop like, 40%, 50%, which uh, jeopardize uh, the, 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 the financial system and a lot of uh, bank has to call loan uh, and then trigger a lot of uh, tragedies. Uh, some people cannot afford because they're also losing their jobs. And it was quite a mess back then. And, and was this following the handover? If you remember back then, it was also a financial crisis the Asian countries' currency were being attacked. And luckily, Hong Kong has a very strong US dollar uh, reserve that we can protect our currency. So Hong Kong is kind of a market less suffered. Since that crisis, the price is actually gradually going down even more. And then the dot-com bubbles burst. And then Hong Kong has experienced SARS during uh, 2003, 2004. The bird flu. Yeah, which hits Hong Kong to the really lowest. And from there, Hong Kong's gradually building up back to, you know, until 2008, which is the... Uh, Beijing Olympics, the China Olympic Games, which was a boom. But then the financial uh, tsunami came again, which has greatly impacted the market with uh, panic sales and the market dropped sharply uh, by the end of uh, 2008. And people expect it to be you know, really bad again. However, the market actually only corrected for six months, which was amazing. And no one expected that. And then it never stopped. Just to pull back for a moment, financial services, tourism, trading and logistics, and professional services. Given that that is where Hong Kong's economy is focused, it makes a lot of sense that international global movements and crises and issues impact Hong Kong tremendously. Hong Kong is relatively stable because we are quite solid with a lot of old rich families, a lot of uh, big institutions, a lot of cash, a lot of money uh, actually in Hong Kong. So when there is any crisis, we back up our resources to handle those kind of crises comparatively to other Asian uh, countries or cities. So it's your feeling that despite ups and downs that come with fluctuations in the market, Hong Kong has relative stability because of uh, wealthy residents who can 
back up the needs of, of the economy and a lot of these cooling measures that you mentioned from the government uh, perspective. How do, how do they do that with mortgage and lending? Right. Government has been very careful in monitoring this sector. Hong Kong people, especially the Chinese community, we are not used to borrow money that much. We, we like savings. We have a lot of savings. Every year we are encouraged and we are brought up by parents to have savings always. <laughs> Tell me about home ownership. Is that also a cultural value for Chinese families? Yes, we are culturally very attached to land, attached to home. We want a stable home. We want to stay in the place, you know, for generations uh, to generations. And in the uh, past, in the history, we refer our uh, family house as uh, uh, the residence uh, of the family. And we all can go back there to the hometown. Uh, So it's kind of a tradition to own a home to feel safe and to settle the family. But because of this, actually the prices has been driven up quite a lot and the people wish to own, but now it's getting really difficult to start. So you had mentioned also other cooling measures by the government. One of them was stamp duties. Can you give us a little background on what those are and how they apply to different buyers in your market? It has become... uh, kind of flat rate for all the Hong Kong people when we buy a property of uh, residential, we have to pay 15%. If you are not Hong Kong PR, if you are an overseas buyer, you have to pay an extra 15%. That means in total, 30%. Wow. That's the current scenario for Hong Kong. And after you buy a, a property, you have to hold it for three years. If not, you will be subject to uh, special stamp duty, which is like from uh, 15 up to 30% also depends on your holding period. The measures are you know, against speculations. Interesting. And, and so the 30% only applies if you're not a permanent resident of Hong Kong. So it's for overseas buyers. That certainly would discourage speculation. So let's delve into what's going on today in Hong Kong. That gives us a really nice background of where the market was until, you know, this last year. Let's start with the trade war and the tariffs being imposed in both directions between China and the United States. About 17% of Chinese exports pass through the city on their way to the United States. And about 9% of U.S. imports to China come through Hong Kong. So the impact of the tariffs being imposed and the trade war must be affecting Hong Kong in some way. Right. It sounds big. But actually, Hong Kong is just like an ad-valued center. We add value to those import and exports. The, the real one suffers are those exporters and uh, importers, you know, back in China. So the impact relatively is not direct to Hong Kong. It's uh, more like the confidence of the economy. The trade war actually has a, a shadow over the future. So the people start to be conservative, hold back and think. But the real solid 
uh, demand in the market is still there. Since 2018, uh, around August, that confidence has uh, been impact and the market slowed down in terms of uh, transaction volume, which gradually triggered a correction of the prices, which go down like 10%, and then the volume goes down. So we witnessed a very strong uh, bounce back uh, in January of uh, 2019. But then uh, the Hong Kong political situation has uh, turned sour. And we can see that from June, uh, in terms of price, it has dropped a little bit, 0.8% roughly. So the price is stable. But in terms of transaction volume, it dropped 40%. Wow. Those are impressive figures. I have to say, it really speaks to what you've mentioned that so much of the buyer market is local and is based in Hong Kong residents. So you see the hesitation to act, but not a significant drop in prices because you are not turning away a lot of speculative buyers. They're just not there. And it's an interesting testament to that sort of protection uh, of, of the market because this moment in time is not going to totally eviscerate all of the value that has been built over the years. Yeah, absolutely. The market is quite resilient. We are also facing a different impact on Hong Kong at the moment and one that is dominating international headlines, the protests. Um, These have been going on since June and started with and correct me if I'm wrong, with a protest against an extradition bill between China and Hong Kong. And now that actual bill has been retracted and the demands are more about uh, freedoms and voting and sort of classic democracy demands. Exactly. Uh, The core part uh, of the five demand is... uh, independent investigation on both sides and then let the legal system judge uh, who's wrong, who's right, and really show the justice to the people. That's what the people wish. And you're talking about justice between the police and the protesters and what has gone down in the last couple of months. Yes. People want to know the truth, wants to know what exactly happened and who to be responsible for what. And I I think in large part, one of the things that is fascinating is that the protests have risen to numbers above 2 million people in the streets uh, in a city of 7 million. Is that right? Yes, 7 million. Those are numbers that are incredible uh, and have been largely peaceful protests with these exceptions that are, are becoming more of the focus, but not where the protesters want the focus to be. Right. It's a kind of level up story, you know. Uh, the protesters want the kind of attention or response which they are not getting. So the violence level has gone up, which is something that we don't want to see, but is now happening, sadly. In terms of the effects of the protest, there has been impact on the areas that you spoke of earlier, it's the stock market. Um, there's actually been a, a big impact on tourists. 
they're down nearly 40% from, from last August. Are the prices for rental apartments, has that changed or occupancy of rentals, has that fluctuated in these last couple of months? Traditionally, if people are more conservative in buying, usually they turn to rent first and then they will buy later. So usually when the purchase market uh, slow down, the rental market goes up. Uh, however, recently we have also witnessed some expats are a bit worried about the situation and they switch from Hong Kong to other Asian cities moving out to Singapore, for example. But I can see that trend already happening. Making the price go down a little bit, like 5%. Interesting. You know, I, I read about a large developer who was launching a project of flats over the uh, metro station, the Nam Chong subway station, and that they were going to uh, pull back on their scheduled completion and launch of over a thousand apartments. Is that a direct response to the protests? If the market is staying relatively strong from a buyer perspective, why are they pulling their inventory or pausing their inventory? I think that's absolutely um, a pullback because of the the, the situation. Uh, usually for a developer to market uh, a development in Hong Kong, especially those on top of an MTR station, usually the scale is quite big. So the number of units are quite uh, substantial. They would usually have a strategy over uh six months how to launch and then they will release the number of uh, stocks bit by bit i bet that's why they hold back the whole thing want to observe a little bit and then they react they will review their whole strategy again before they can put it back in market so this is just them saying let's hold back for a moment let the energy die down see where things go and just plan a different launch yes in terms of the makeup of residential property in Hong Kong, my vision of Hong Kong is skyscrapers. Is that what the residential property market is? Are there single-family homes, self-standing homes, or is that just not what's available in Hong Kong? In Hong Kong, actually, we have all kinds of properties that you just named, except from something very unique for Europe. For example, a castle. We don't have a castle in Hong Kong, of course. The major market is still skyscrapers, as you just described, apartments, uh, sizes from very small, like 100 square feet, up to a huge one, uh, 9,000 square feet. And in terms of layout, it can be a studio flat up to uh, six rooms, seven rooms. It's available in the market. And apart from this kind of apartments, we also have uh, single-family houses. However, because land is so rare, so precious in Hong Kong, it's absolutely only for the richest uh, layer of Hong Kong. So only the top 50 families would own that kind of uh, landed properties in Hong Kong. I'm talking about Hong Kong Island. If you are willing to go into new territories, of course, you can have something like village houses, that kind of uh, lower ranking houses uh, are still available. 
So on the island itself, the of the stock of residential property, it's it's really just a handful of self-standing homes. Yes. If we can look for just a moment at pricing, you are kind to provide me with some numbers that I will share. Entry level prices about twelve hundred U.S. dollars a square foot. Uh, average prices for smaller units about twenty two hundred U.S. dollars per square foot, and for larger flats over three thousand U.S. dollars per square foot. These are impressive. <laughs> I come from Silicon Valley, and um, we thought. We had them all beat, and apparently we we don't. <laughs> Hong Kong market is a bit crazy. It's purely because uh, we are so small, and attracting so many people coming. In respect to your smallness, you are part of a big bay that is a large concentration of economic activity for China. Uh, the Chinese government is launching a Greater Bay Area initiative that looks to link. Hong Kong and Macau and Shenzhen on the Chinese mainland and a variety of cities into a sort of integrated economic and business hub. Is this an exciting future for Hong Kong? Where do you see that influencing this already tight real estate market? Uh, to be precise, there are nine cities uh, in the Guangdong province, which is close to Hong Kong. Together with Macau and Hong Kong, along the、uh, Pearl River Delta, that they call the Greater Bay Area, and the purpose is really to have synergy between these cities, to have more frequent、uh, interactions between the residents. Within a certain period of time, the border line of Hong Kong to Shenzhen will fade out. And then,、uh, because of this more frequent interaction of people, the flow of cash, the flow of economy would be more vibrant, and it will expand Hong Kong's economy scale to be a bigger picture. Because now Hong Kong is only seven million、uh, population, but if you connect that with the Greater Bay Area, it becomes like ten times more. So seventy million people in this larger economic collaboration. Yes, twice the population of Canada and more than the entire population of the United Kingdom. That is a, a hefty number. Yeah, absolutely. I've so enjoyed talking to you. I read a quote about you, and I, I'd like to read it. Binash puts her words into actions and stays true to her promise in realizing the client's dream of a unique and perfect home that embraces family history. Hospitality and a deep taste of life. I just really loved that, and I wanted to hear what embracing family history means to you in real estate. I try to listen to every customers what they really want and what they really needs, and we try to fit the best options for them. And because we are working on prime luxurious property in Hong Kong, I'm usually handling those old rich families, really helping them to market their、uh, residence to the right exclusive clients, 
And usually, when you go into that kind of residence, there is family history there, and、uh, a few generations of the. Same family reside in this、uh, residence, so we cherish a lot of this kind of、uh, heritage and try to、uh, market houses with stories to the next、uh, potential buyers who also have a dream to settle their family in a place that they can have a long-term.、Uh, Pleasure and to build their own family history, to elaborate their、uh, values in life. Thank you for sharing so much about this interesting, interesting place that is、um, on all of our minds right now. We are all looking to see a peaceful end to the turmoil, and、um, hopefully, we can connect again soon and. See where we are in the future with Hong Kong. Thank you very much, Miranda. It's such a pleasure for me to speak to you, and thank you so much for the、uh, wishes. It goes into my heart, and I'm so proud to be a Hong Kongers. And I really <laughs> we can pass through this turbulence and find a better future for Hong Kong. Well, I'm sure with people and leaders like you, you will find your way. Thank you so much, Binash. Thank you, Miranda. Have a good day. And thank you for listening to this episode of Whereabouts. If you want to find out more about the Hong Kong real estate market, learn more about my co-host Binosh Chan, or listen to other episodes of Whereabouts, head to whereabouts-podcast.com. You can also listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please give us a review. I'm Miranda Jenowitz, and you've been listening to Whereabouts. Thank、you